I'm ready when y'all are, I guess. All right, ready? Yep. All right, three, two, whatever. What is up, everybody? It is Francis Carlotta with two wonderful people that it's always great to see their faces and talk to them again. Connor Byrne and Grant Heckinger. How are y'all doing today, boys? I'm good. I'm good. I'm seizing the day, you know. You uh, don't have facial hair anymore. You just have a beard. Or sorry, you have a mustache. What's going on there? Well, so do I have facial hair or do I not have facial hair? You do. Sorry, yeah, I apologize you. for the... You do have facial hair, yeah, re- but why did you shave? Reviews are in, and they include breathtaking and like Tom Selleck, but more handsome. Okay. All right. Grant, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I was taking care of my neighbor's dogs last week, and one of them died. So Oof, Oh, my God. <laughs> that was, that, yeah, it's been kind of rough. How... What... Uh, he was he was 14 years old. We were playing. Do okay. you want like the the two minute version or the one minute version? I think the uh, one and a half minute version. I want to hear the story. I can't combine them too, but I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, I mean, he's 14 years old. He's like a little Chihuahua mix or something. He's he's pretty blind, maybe a little deaf too. I don't know. So he was definitely getting up there, pretty senile. So we were playing fetch, and he like he loves nothing more in the world than fetch. Like he'll play fetch for hours, but all of a sudden he. Uh, just like he chased the ball and just stood over and like didn't like stopped and just, oh. I was like okay I, I guess you're done playing, and so like I walked inside and usually he would follow me inside but he didn't really follow me inside, oh. so I was like okay this is kind of weird and then he finally made his way like up the steps onto the porch and like inside, but he was like stumbling around like trying not to fall over, oh like, my he, god he like wa- walked slowly to his crate and like stood outside of his crate and was just like standing there for like five minutes, trying not to fall over like his legs were crossing he kept just like stumbling. And so I put water in front of him, put a treat in front of him. He didn't touch either of them. Eventually, able he's able to make it into his crate, and he growls at me. So I'm like, okay, that's kind of a good sign. That's a bad <laughs> sign. This dog is no. This guy's this dog's kind of a dick. So like him growling, no. is a bit, it's, norm, it's normal. <laughs> um, and um, so I'm just like, okay, maybe he's just tired. I'll let him rest. I come back check on him a little later. He still like hasn't touched his water, or food, and he's like not really moving. But he's he seems fine. Like he looks at me and stuff, and he seems okay. He just seems tired. And I come back, I, so I leave him alone again, come back a little bit later, and he's just like half in his crate, half out of his crate on the floor, not oh moving. And I'm just like, oh my god, he's dead, like completely dead. Um, and he's not dead, he's like barely breathing. So I call the owners, um, their vet, and it's this is late at night, so their vet is closed, so I have to like call an emergency hospital, emergency oh, animal shit. hospital, um, drive him there, I had to put him into his crate, um, and then drive him there and like don't know if he's dead or alive the whole time because he was just on his last leg not, completely yeah, not moving. um and so i get there and like they're not letting people in because of coronavirus so like they have to come out and get the dog so i'm just waiting there they come out get the crate bring it in come out like a minute later and like yeah he passed on the way here um oh. so yeah it was it, it was it was rough but i mean the owners were actually very oh. apologetic to me they felt kind of bad for me for being in the situation <laughs> 
um, and they also kind of were grateful that like because they have kids too that the kids weren't like there for it and they could right. be out of town and kind of talk with them about it and process it for a night so like it worked out right. well in that sense but I, I still feel like a dog murder a little bit yeah so did you get paid or not um, I did get paid I think they honestly paid me a little extra because they felt so bad <laughs> Let me tell you, if, if, oh, that's, that's an awful if I was situation. a, uh, if I was an NFL draft pick, that would be my tra- tragic backstory for sure. <laughs> that would be on your, that would be on your ESPN like card yeah. for like things you've been through in your past. First of all, did y'all y'all remember those? They showed some ridiculous things. There's like like a mother fought like drug problems or something as a part of their background. Like who approves these things? Like the whole draft like, is just know. like, who who is researching all of this strategy? Is just yeah. it's pure, yeah. They would be, they'd be like, okay. Grant's competitive nature shine through. He really pushed that dog to play fetch as hard as he could and just push him <laughs> to the very end, and that would be my tragedy backstory. So, <laughs> I got that covered, at least. I did, like, the little tidbits they'd show of, like, you know, Chase Young was an R&B singer or something, or they'd show people who would, like, p- p- play piano. I thought that was cool, but some of the stuff that they yeah. put as that were just extra. Very, very, very yeah. insensitive. But, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm really sorry about that, Grant. That's... That's tough. That's, it's okay. That's, that's not good. Uh, I'm dealing with it. It's hope, all right. Yeah, hopefully you're bouncing back <laughs> from that very difficult uh, situation uh, that you that you went through. But um, yeah, in for for me, I I'm doing pretty good. I'm okay. My allergies are coming back, which is the annoying part. So if I sound congested more than usual, I apologize for that. But I'm trying to trying to push through. They opened up the golf courses out in California, so I was able to play golf last week, and that was the most genuine exercise I've had in the past however time that I've been in quarantine or whatever. And because you know, golf is basically a hike, even though it's not the most arduous sport in the world, it's still a nice, nice hike. A and hike. Exercise. It's so a you, walk. You walked, yeah. it, you walked it instead of driving it, though. Yeah, you walk. Yeah, of course. Okay. But yeah, so you're, you're walking. It's, it's still that's a pretty good, that's pretty good it's, exercise. You're walking like six eight miles and, and like with high elevation changes it's it's a it's a it's, it's a lot and are you carrying um, carrying was, your bag do you do you have wheels on carrying, your bag okay so yeah that's, that's pretty yeah. good exercise yeah it's a good exercise uh but i was beat like that's the the moral of the story is i'm out of shape that's the that's the that's the moral of that story <laughs> i uh definitely definitely am out of shape but oh, that's not good we um, knew that the second you called golfing a hike yeah. <laughs> Don't be insensitive to golf, Connor. It's it's not the it's not it's not an easy sport, you know. It's definitely it's it takes a lot, it takes a lot of effort, you know. It takes skill and and genuine ability to be good at golf. So don't don't undermine my favorite sport. That's a different thing don't than be... I was talking about. But that's okay. I know. I'm just I'm just saying, man. Well, sensitive like, about like... your golf, huh? I'm very sensitive. <laughs> but but one thing that we have enjoyed as uh, hopefully as a whole is the last dance. Like it's been a, an absolute relief to watch the show from the beginning. I know Connor, have you you have you seen the last two episodes? I, I know you've been watching it slowly. Have you actually gone around to watch them? I have not seen the last two episodes, but I can't wait to give my insights on them. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But from but you've seen basically all of it except for the last two. You know, I've seen. Uh, I've seen all the episodes so far, and Grant, I think you have as well. Yeah, I'm caught up. Okay, so you, so basically we've all pretty much caught up on the show. So I mean, I guess from the from the from the start off this conversation, I just really want to know y'all's initial thoughts. Like, what do you do? You like it? Are you really enjoying it? What are your What are your thoughts on the last stand so far, Connor? Yeah, so I mean, initial 
I guess, take on it is I've enjoyed seeing aspects of the Bulls dynasty outside of Jordan. You get to hear a little bit more yeah. from Rod. Uh, you get to hear a lot about Rodman. You get to hear about from Pippen's side a bit. And so it's been cool seeing something that's not just about Michael Jordan and air greatness, even though he is clearly the main character but or main right. story. But it is cool to see a more whole whole picture view of everything. Right. Great. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I have, like, on episodes three through six, I took a lot of notes. Um, one and two, I was kind of mostly just taking it all in, um, yeah. getting my bearings. But the I only have, so I only have a couple notes, really, for the episodes one and two. But one of them really just kind of applies to how I feel about the whole series. Um, I wrote, it gives context to a lot of things we know about, but not chronologically or situationally, just as highlights right. or moments. So, like, our, our generation, most people that we hear talking about this right now our media members who were around for this. So this was part of their lives. But for our generation, we've just kind of seen the highlights and the snippets of it. We don't really know the timeline of it. Um, we don't really know what was happening around at that Bulls team at that time. Um, so this right. kind of just gives that context a lot. I mean, for example, um, going back to his college, I mean, I, I didn't know his game winner in that. I don't think I knew his game winner in the national championship was his freshman year. I think I assumed that was his junior year, his last year in college. Mm. But Mm-hmm. So he was a freshman yeah. with that, and then I I don't think I knew that his sixty three point game in the playoffs um, was in his second year, and that that uh, move against Larry where he goes between 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 pull up yeah um, yeah I, that, that was that was the same game. So I mean like I've seen those I know about the sixty three point game I know about the game winner I know about that move against Larry and stuff, but I I didn't have that you know contextualized for me. So I think for our generation that's something that's really important uh, to kind of put that in perspective for us and i think this documentary is doing a really good job of that and it's the best thing to do that for us since nba 2k 11 um allowed you to play <laughs> 10 of his great 10 of jordan's greatest games right um, i remember that that was so, so much fun yeah <laughs> yeah you even got to do his shot against georgetown which was <laughs> which was yeah. really interesting it was great but you know just that's a great that's a really good good point great because you know for me i a lot of us, a lot of us basketball fans, we know about Jordan's 63-point game right against the Celtics. We know, we know about that in passing. But to really see the highlights, to see him do it, to hear the players talk about it, to hear how Ainge was like. We threw, I guarded him, Dennis Johnson guarded him, Larry guarded him, and nothing. Like, just there, there was nothing you could have done to stop him that day. And the fact that Michael Jordan played golf the day before with Danny Ainge and just, like, the whole banter going back and forth and Danny saying, yeah probably shouldn't have beaten him that bad because he was uh, a <laughs> little definitely ready to yeah. uh, to to mess us up um i mean it was just cool to hear and that you gotta love larry bird's quote right when he was like it's god disguises michael jordan you know that's that's a that's that's, that's an all-time quote right there and just it's it, it's great to see the perspectives of the people who are in that time uh, talk about moments that we have we know about in passing right like what you're saying grant we, we kind of know about them but to hear them really go into detail about it it's it's awesome i mean do you think do you think it'll influence more people and this is kind of an aside but i'm curious what y'all think is do you think it'll influence more people to be more in favor of jordan over lebron and i'm not trying to start a jordan lebron conversation but do you think that it'll sway more people who are like of our generation who may think that lebron's better than jordan or is the best player of all time like do you think that has any bearing on that I think yeah, Alex. It will sway some people, but for the most part, I think people who are you know on LeBron's side are probably just gonna get more defensive about it. Just seeing people just you know be like, "Y'all forgot about Jordan." They can watch this documentary and see how great he was. 
and then they're just going to get more defensive and they'll just stick to their sides. I mean, that's mostly what people do usually. So, Yeah, yeah. Well, th- this is not even a, necessarily about uh, LeBron, but if, I think there's a lot of players where if you made a documentary about them and cut the snippets of people talking about how unstoppable they were on a certain night and right. stuff like that, like 20 years from now you can make the same documentary about LeBron or like you could be, you could make it you could probably do this about like ten other players. Well, it wouldn't be the same right. exact thing, but if you just showed snippets of their best games and people talking about how good they were, you could make any almost anyone seem like they were the best player in the world. Right. So, I guess this too, is this is the best player in the world though. So, yeah, no, he actually was. Yeah, but I think in the sense of, in terms of just swaying people over to one side or the other, it's like I don't know how much. I don't know. You could just do this with a lot of guys. I think. No, yeah, I get, you, I, I get you. that, and uh, yeah, the other thing though, uh, I guess the on the flip side of, of that point is, the documentary does a good job of showing Jordan's development and growth as a player because you know we look at Jordan from our lens and we look back and we say like he's this greatest player who's just insane, dominate the competition, but that wasn't who Jordan was for the first six, five, six years of his career. Yeah, he was the guy who a lot of people were looking at as like the next dude or the guy to kind of take over the NBA. But he wasn't that guy yet, and it had it took him time to kind of to kind of have that label as the genuine best player in the NBA who just dominated the league. In a similar way, it took LeBron a lot of time too to get that to get that title as well. So I think it showed it also showed how Jordan it showed Jordan's growth and development, which is something that a lot of people who are Jordan fans today uh, they kind of ignore that part, in my opinion. They don't really, they don't harp on that. But it always takes time for players to grow and develop and find their footing in the NBA. And it definitely took Jordan a long time. I mean, I think the documentary did a great job of detailing uh, his his struggles with the Bad Boy Pistons in in eighty eight, eighty nine, and ninety. Um, I think they really detailed that well and talked about how you know without the Pistons, Jordan wouldn't. I don't think Jordan would be Jordan. Because he he really had he he realized he had to get stronger had to get get more muscle on himself and um, when he said I wanted to dish pain he had that look in his eyes that I was like okay yeah you did like <laughs> and you really put in the work and he really you know he 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 got you look at Jordan from rookie year to like peak Jordan that's that's a bigger dude like yeah. that's <laughs> that's a more that's a more muscular human being uh, and it's impressive to see how how he filled out and really committed himself to the weight room and once he did that you know it was. It was over, but you know, I I, I also loved the one of my favorite moments was hearing Rodman talk about the art of rebounding, like how how he would see like analyze different players. If you shot here, the ball would probably land here, and if the ball lands here, then the then I go here for the rebound. And he talked about that in a bunch of different ways, and that was so cool to see because you know we think of Rodman as this crazy lunatic or whatever, but as a basketball mind in terms of in terms of rebounding and defense, like he's just yeah unmatched i mean it's yeah, it it's, it's really impressive i don't think the bulls defense is honestly talked about enough it's just crazy to me that you have jordan pippen and robin on the same team i think all three of those guys could have legitimate claims to being the best non-center big man defender of all time yeah i think they're up there and that they wouldn't be crazy to say oh jordan's the best oh pippen's the best probably most people would say pippen uh, but i mean jordan, yeah. jordan and robin are up there too What's interesting is that Rodman, whenever they interview Rodman about Jordan, is that like he's clearly he talks about Jordan as an unbelievable player and all that, but that he always has these little like side digs of, oh well Jordan 
got away with stuff that no one else could do. Because, you know, he would say, like, oh, well, refs would come up to us during the game, like, hey, do you think Jordan will give me a sneakers after the game? So, like, he would talk about how he would, uh, you know, foul people and no one would call it because who's going to call a foul on Michael Jordan or the opposite. If he doesn't make a shot, they're, like, they're not going to call – or they're going to call a foul, which is, like, an interesting thing to hear from your uh, your Robin. But. Yeah, I was I was listening to the the Zach Lowe podcast. He did show, he did a show with Mike Green, the legendary announcer and everything. Mm. And he told a story of how he heard he heard one I think it was a Nick player. He heard one Nick player just berating a ref, like saying like all these all these terrible things, and just got teed like immediately. Like it was just immediate technical foul. No way, I'm not putting up with this. And then like I don't know, two minutes later, Jordan just goes into this ref for a solid like forty five to forty five seconds to a minute. And the ref just takes it like nothing. The ref <laughs> doesn't care. Yeah. He just looks at Jordan, just takes it all. Like that's so wild to me. Like the way refs treated Jordan was amazing. And I think a good, a good stiff of a good like thing to encapsulate that was when they flashed the Dream Team stuff, and it was Jordan, Magic, and Bird doing a photo shoot. And you all remember when Magic was like, "You don't want to get too close to Jordan, and it'll be a foul." And yeah. like everyone just starts busting <laughs> <Yeah>. out laughing. <laughs> you know, even the guys in here, like, you know, Jordan gets every call. Yeah, like he yeah. got every, he got, he got all the goals back then. Um, which is true, which is true of today's guys as well, the star players. So it's not true. a thing against uh, particularly Jordan, but it's just funny to hear his teammate and his sidekick say that about the, about him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah. Think... What did y'all think of the? Go ahead, Grant. Sorry. I think the next couple episodes are going to go into more deep, but um, I mean, it just Jordan had such power and control over everybody, not on not just on his team, but in the league. I mean, they were all yeah. kind of scared of him, and, it, and you just watch his interactions with his teammates, and he can say or do whatever he wants, and he just they'll they'll accept it. But like when someone else says something, everyone kind of looks to Jordan to see, like it goes filtered through him. Like is is this a good thing for this person to have said? Like they kind of wait for Jordan's response. Um, before they they respond to it so i mean he just had such control over his teammates and then like you said the refs too i mean they were scared of him the league would let him kind of do whatever he wanted i mean it was pretty unprecedented to this point that someone had this much power yeah he he was kind of like he was the puppet master of not just his team but kind of of the nba you know people were trying to take him down and when people realized that that's probably not going to happen uh that was that was tough you know they they i like how they detailed the the series with the with the Knicks in ninety three, yeah, ninety three. When the Knicks were that team, like that was probably the best Knicks team they had uh, at the at the in a long time, and they were even up two games to two games to none against the Bulls, and they just couldn't close because Jordan's Jordan and he's just better than all of them. And they also did a good job detailing his gambling stuff. You know, you know Jordan. I love Jordan's interview. I didn't know about this. I didn't know Jordan gave an interview to Ahmad Rashad about gambling with sunglasses on. He's like, I'm not, gambling's not an addiction. You're wearing sunglasses. Do you have a, did a loan shark beat you up or something, Michael? Yeah. You, got, you got a bruise you're hiding under there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, dude, what's happening here? Like, that, like the, I honestly think of a lot of these things in the context of today's like social media, t- like time that we live in, that if Jordan were doing, if, if say like LeBron were doing the things that Jordan was doing, LeBron would get crucified by the media. He'd get crucified by us. Like, he would just get absolutely ruined. Like, what is he doing? Blah, blah, blah. Like, he would get ruined. And Jordan also got really uh, beaten up by the media as well. But, I mean, it, at the same time, there are a lot of people who are trying to spin it too, saying, oh, he's just a super competitive guy. You know, this is just Jordan being Jordan, and he still it doesn't affect his game. But, you know, I, it, the media still treat him pretty harshly. And um, uh, they detailed that a lot. And I think that, 
once we move on to the next episode seems to be like they're going to move on to Jordan uh, talking about his first retirement because he just got worn out. You know, he was worn out by the time he won his, his third championship. But, um, you know, it's I've enjoyed it a lot so far, you know, and they, they also talked about the the transition from Doug Collins, the first coach that Jordan had with the Bulls, or sorry, the second coach Jordan had with the Bulls, to, to Phil Jackson. Um, and something that I really wanted to talk about with you guys is, do you think that Michael Jordan would have found the same success if Doug Collins stayed the coach with the Bulls? Uh, or if, if, you know, if Phil Jackson never became the coach of the Bulls, do you think Jordan would still have the same success? And, you know, you can define success however you want to. So I think it's a pretty, you know, open-ended question in terms of that. So I would love to hear your thoughts. Um, Grant, do you have, uh, do you have thoughts on that? Oh uh, yeah, I mean, I, I know when you were bringing this topic up to us before the episode, um, you kind of mentioned the comparison between Brady and Belichick and uh, Phil Jackson and Michael Jordan. I mean, Michael Jordan is, I think we can all agree, a much more singular talent than than uh, Tom Brady is. Um, right. I mean, he's generational. It's it's he was ahead of his time. Just the way he moved, his athleticism. I mean, the way he dribbled, the way he shot, like everything did not look like it. He was the first modern NBA player. He's the first player to actually look like a modern NBA player while playing right. basketball. So like Phil Jackson doesn't define to me, Phil Jackson doesn't define um Jordan's success as much as Belichick defines um Brady's success. Mm-hmm. Obviously what the documentary goes into is um how Doug Collins kind of was just give Jordan the ball, get it and get out of the way. And that was his kind of philosophy. Right. He was just like we have the best player Let's just let him let him do it, and Phil, and Phil Jackson obviously implemented the triangle and decided to have a much more egalitarian approach to it. And he was like, "Jordan, right. you're 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 going to get your buckets, but you're not going to have the ball in your hands all the time." So, right. if you're defining success by titles, I mean, titles can be won on such slim margins, anyways. I mean, there's titles they won where they could have lost in Game Seven to the Pacers. Um, right. They could have lost that series to the Knicks. They could have lost. I mean, there, there's, they were mostly dominant through their title errors, but I mean, there were definitely times when they could have just a, a coin toss could have sent it the other way. Um, Absolutely. So I mean, it's hard to say whether they would have won more or le- more or less, and and how much Phil Jackson was personally responsible for it. But Jordan's still, if not the greatest player of all time, because he doesn't have six titles. Maybe he's not considered the greatest player of all time. He's still, you know, a top five player of all time. So it, it doesn't impact his legacy in a crazy right. way, I don't think. Connor? Uh, yeah, to bring it back, well, once again, never Grant never misses an opportunity to, to slander the great Tom Brady. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but I think we'll, nothing we'll would make me happier. Like Wait, nothing would make me happier than the Bucks going six and ten this year. And it being like, oh, <laughs> Brady doesn't have Belichick. Oh, okay. He's not successful. Cool. Well, it is going to be interesting. Just a real quick point of that before I get back to what I was saying is that it's going to be interesting seeing how he joins a new offense when he can't practice with any of the guys in the offseason, which is going to be how do you join a new team as the quarterback? Anyway, yeah. um, but back to the, the Patriots and uh, comparison stuff. Well, there's something that is just way different from the NFL and NBA is that NFL is so much more the sport is about coaching, whereas the NBA is a lot more about who the players are. That being said, there's still an aspect of if you're a coach, it's similar like if you're a, you might as well just be a manager in an office and you've got employees that you need to maximize their value at. And I don't know mm-hmm. if any other coach would have 
treated some of those players like Rodman and even Pippen, I think, including Pippen into that offense like like uh, right. like Phil Jackson did compared to other guys just because the other guys were, I don't know, maybe so such old souls or whatever you want to call them, guys <laughs> open to letting players be who they are. But uh, so in that respect, I don't like I don't think the Bulls would have won those championships without Jackson. But it's also but they didn't win those championships either because of him. And then there's another interesting thing with it is always if you win, how much of it is because of you versus your outside environment. And so how much of the Bulls was they won because either their coaching was good because their personnel was good, which is also more of a statement on the GM than it is on the coach. But then also how much of it is just due to right. the outside environment of how good was the rest of the NBA at that time? Like they came, they started winning their championships once the, the once the Celtics, Lakers, and Pistons started to go under downhill. Yeah. Uh, right. So that's kind of right. like the ebbs and flows of the NBA of like you know new dynasties rise and then was other ones come down kind of at the same time. So how much of that is just yeah. the good timing of that as well? But also maybe there there weren't other great teams kind of the same way that there weren't great teams during the. Uh, Warriors because they knew they couldn't compete. So who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree with you that I mean that they definitely they missed out on the the great Lakers and Celtics and Pistons teams. They had to wait their turn after those guys. So that's definitely a part of it. But there were I think other really strong teams that that it wasn't the strongest time in the NBA. But there were strong teams that they kind of had to push. They they pushed to the side and those teams had to wait their turn. I mean the Rockets for example. Yeah. Um, right. As soon as Jordan's gone, they they win a championship. I mean, um, they win two, and, and the Knicks, right? That they went two, and the Knicks. Um, I mean, there's there and the Suns. I mean, those those are teams that some of the best teams did not win championships. So I mean, there are the the Bulls had to wait their turn, but they had such an extended period also after that that for I mean it was eight years basically where they had this run right. where if if they're at their full strength, then then you're it's not your year. It's not any other team's year. Yeah. Yeah, it's those those are all. Yeah, those are all great points. I mean, in terms of the, you know, the Brady Belichick stuff, I think you touched on it a little bit, Grant. Like it's it's definitely not the same as Brady and Belichick because you know, as you mentioned, Jordan is Jordan was already a generational talent before Phil Jackson came in. Like it, it wasn't it wasn't like oh Jordan was some <clears throat> was some like decent NBA player then Phil Jackson came in and then Jordan became Michael Jordan. Like it, it's not like that at all. You know, it's like Tom Brady was drafted. Uh, I forget the round, sixth or seventh round, super late in the draft, as we all know, and you know he was he kind of became Tom. He had to become Tom Brady, you know, under Bill Belichick. Michael Jordan didn't have to become Michael Jordan under Phil Jackson. He already was Michael Jordan. So I mean that comparison's already kind of lopsided in that sense. But I do agree with you, Connor, because I don't think the Bulls would have won six titles without Phil Jackson. I do. I can see the Bulls winning multiple titles you know definitely definitely win one title maybe two or three mm-hmm. but to win six titles technically in a row i mean they are technically six titles in a row even though jordan retired but it's technically six in a row i don't think that would have happened without phil jackson my thing is because of the offense that triangle offense that you mentioned grant before you know that offense before phil was centered around jordan like it the it was even duck they even said in the documentary that doug collins would you know kind of pass the ball around and then the ball would end up in Jordan's hands and it would be like all right Michael go ahead you know get out the way and <clears throat> there was a great I forgot exactly after what game Doug Collins said this but they asked Doug Collins he was like uh, so what play did you do did you draw up for the last second shot for Jordan to score or whatever and Doug Collins was like 
give the ball to Michael, then the rest get the fuck out the way. You know, that's like that's yeah. basically the off. That was basically the offense, yeah. which which Jordan was 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 totally in love with. He loved it. He he averaged like I don't have the stats in front of me, but definitely more than 32, 33 points a game for consecutive seasons. I mean, he was a scoring champ and was an absolute force to deal with. And then you then Jerry Krause. Uh, he really liked that guy Tex Winter, who was all about the, the triangle offense, and uh, assigned Phil Jackson to be Tex Winter's kind of protege. And when you know when Jerry Krause was noticing that Doug Collins didn't want to implement the triangle or listen to what Jerry Krause believed to be the best basketball mind he ever met, which is a pretty huge thought, um, then that's when you know he let go of Doug Collins and hired Phil Jackson as the coach, and that's when. Phil Jackson took the ball out of Jordan's hands, and I think the triangle offense really unlocked Scottie Pippen's potential, which was discussed in the documentary. Because, you know, before before Jackson, Scottie Pippen didn't have the freedom to blossom as a player. Right. But under Phil's triangle, where everyone's going to get a touch, everyone has a chance to be to be themselves and be creative and do what they think is the best thing to do in that moment in time. That allowed Scottie Pippen to really. To grow as a player and not go from just being a good player to being a great player and you know one of the best two-way players of all time um you know scotty mentioned in, in the documentary how he was initially a point guard and then he grew a bunch and then he became a forward yeah so he's one of those guys who started out as a guard who had all those ball handling skills but then grew a bunch but he still had those skills and you, know, you hear that all the time with guys like anthony davis etc um so for me I don't think Scotty's development would have happened so quickly without Phil Jackson. So, and, and we know we know how we know how important Scotty was to Michael. And you know, Michael says straight up that he wouldn't be where he he was without Scotty Pippen. So, if that's the case, and if Scotty Pippen would not have became Scotty Pippen without Phil Jackson, then I don't think the I don't think Jordan would have had the same amount of success in terms of six titles without Phil. You know. No, Jordan's rep was the guy who couldn't win the big game. Uh, I wrote I wrote down in my notes that Jordan's playoff record before Phil Jackson was three and five, three series wins and five series losses before Phil Jackson. Granted, the team wasn't nearly as good. Like that's 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 fair, but that's still his record. And after Phil Jackson, they basically lost one playoff series in seven seasons, and that was the 1990 Eastern Conference Final against the Pistons when Scottie Pippen had the migraine game in Game Seven. So <laughs> when you listen to like, Jordan talk about it, it's it, sometimes it sounds like Jordan doesn't believe him. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, was, I noticed that too. Yeah. Because yeah. like even the even the interviewer was like, "That was a Scotty migraine game, right?" And then Jordan's like, smiles and says, "Yep." Yeah. He's like, like, <laughs> he doesn't say like, "Oh yeah, Jordan." Or, uh, Scotty had a migraine. He says like, "Oh yeah, Scotty says his head was hurting or something like." That. Yeah, like, yeah. Like he, he, he made some snide remark. He was like, "You know, if he had a migraine, there's nothing I can do yeah. about it." You know, if you know. he had a migraine. <laughs> I was like, "Jesus, man!" Uh, but yeah, that was that was funny to watch. I um, think, but yeah, go ahead, Grant. Sorry. Uh, uh, yeah, I think both y'all, what both y'all are saying is a really good point. How Phil kind of unleashed these players that maybe other coaches wouldn't have been able to see um, the way that he used them. Um, I think down the line, people are going to start comparing this coaching change to Steve Kerr taking over for Mark Jackson and that allowing the yeah. Warriors to unleash Draymond Green and unleash Clay Thompson right. and to, yeah, use, to use Steph thing. Curry and more, you know, this off-ball off role. And, um, right. So I, I think there's a lot of similarities you can draw there. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a really good shot yeah, because in terms of like, the – 
with a Mark Jackson, Steve Kerr thing, Jackson brought the Warriors to wait to their. How far did he bring them to in the playoffs? I, I know. I think second like the, second round. I think second round is what. Second they round, and he lost to the Spurs. I think, if I remember that correctly. That they, sounds they, right. Yeah, they they definitely had success. They they were a good team, but Steve uh, Steve Kerr was the one who, like you said, he was the one who unlocked that offense uh, fully. Um, you can kind of look at it with Toronto and Nick Nurse and Dwayne Casey. You know, Dwayne Casey took the Raptors to an Eastern Conference final. Or you can look at it as, uh, <laughs> you know, some personnel changes as well. <laughs> right. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but I, I, yeah, but I, 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 I do think that. One of the best trades of all time. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's well, also true. I think a maybe <laughs> a better true. comparison actually, and it's a shame that none of us know hockey better. But if you look at sports and where a singular talent can take a team further or has more valuable than other sports is probably hockey and Wayne Gretzky if we knew more about Gretzky's career right that is that what that probably be actually an interesting analysis to compare how those two guys' careers developed versus like how do they stay with the same coaches do they change coaches what happened and all that right but I just do not know nearly enough about that I don't know much at all no I don't (laughs) (laughs) no I don't I I like I've told y'all before I I I like watching hockey I watch playoff hockey playoff hockey is incredible yeah it's a a fun time overtime playoff hockey is the most enjoyable that I think I've ever gotten Mm -hmm. like watching it's it's, it's really fun to watch but no I don't know nearly enough about hockey Um, so I the last thing I want to say about this or last thing that I have to say about this is this might be a controversial take kind of like a controversial thing to say but i'm just gonna say it anyway without phil jackson michael jordan would be similar to what james harden is today just an incredible score okay well jordan was a much better defender than james harden so that might be an unfair comparison james harden was a much better passer (laughs) 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 so i mean that might be like an unfair comparison in that sense but the point i'm trying to get is an incredible offensive talent who could not win the, the big game. Like, and maybe he does, like maybe Jordan does win a title or two, you know, maybe Scotty does develop later on in his career, you know, who know who knows? But Jordan's reputation genuinely was as the guy who could not close. Like he could not win that game that when it really mattered. He didn't he couldn't do it. You know, and that's that's something that was brought up multiple times in the in the last dance. And if that was his reputation at, at, at for a long period of his career, I wonder how long that it would have taken for that reputation, that label to be stripped away from Jordan. And I think it would have taken a lot longer than people would have expected. And that it, it's, it's similar to James Harden to me. You know, uh, James Harden is a generational offensive talent who's an incredible basketball player, but I don't think he's, he hasn't won the big game. He's choked multiple times in the playoffs. I mean, we, we think of Jordan as a guy who doesn't choke, but, you know, he did definitely miss shots. And like I said, he didn't have the rep of being the guy who won the games when it mattered. So that's my kind of controversial take that without Phil Jackson, Jordan would be more like a James Harden, like a really, really, really good player. And obviously Jordan was better defensively, so he could still be one of the best players in the NBA. But so is James Harden. James Harden is also one of the best players in the NBA, but he can't win the big game. So right. that's kind of my, my my controversial thing. Do y'all, do y'all fully disagree? Do y'all think I'm full of shit? Like, I, to- I totally uh, see what I totally see what you're saying. Um, I disagree to a point because, like I was saying earlier, I think Jordan was just different. I think every 15 to 20 years, there's this guy who comes along, 
or maybe there might be multiple guys who are just like an outlier athletically and physically, and they're kind of a sign of what's to come in the next generation, right? right? I mean, I was listening to um, Bill Simmons and Ryan Russell yesterday, and they were talking about, you know, how when they cut open Secretariat, his heart was like twice as big as a normal horse's heart, um, and how like Jordan could, you know, go out, he could go play golf, thirty six holes of golf the day before, and then drink until five a.m. and then just destroy you the next day, so we'll get fifty on you the next day. Um, and just unreal. It's, he was just like, if when Michael Jordan dies, if they do not, they're just wondering like. Are they going to do an op- autopsy on this guy, and he's just going to be built different? Like he's a guy who's like just different than than other people. So James Harden isn't that to me. Yeah. Like he's and James Harden can stay up at the strip clubs all night long and then go drop fifty. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> Honestly, I, I think James Harden probably just has a, a hoop set up in the strip club though, so he's getting work in. <laughs> um, and like J- James Harden. What separates great players, the greatest players from the great players, is that they can get those that mo- those massive volume numbers and also do it at an incredibly efficient level. And James Harden is obviously very efficient, but if you take away his ability to draw fouls like that, he's right. not he's not a, like a right. super efficient player. He doesn't right. shoot threes at a very high rate. He shoots very difficult threes and makes an okay percentage of them, but doesn't shoot them at a very high rate. Um, yeah, he just takes a million of them. Right. So at some point, it's gonna right. Be the worth the, the numbers work out for him, and he, and he can draw fouls. So like he ends up being a very efficient player. But Michael right. Jordan was just like, I'm gonna I'm gonna make 55 percent of my mid range shots. I'm gonna finish everything at the rim because I'm just way more athletic than you, and I'm a great finisher. And right. I, he's just a different player, and James Harden isn't quite that level of player. But I do I completely understand your point that. Without Phil Jackson, maybe he does become that just absolutely dominant. But I think it's maybe even another level above James Harden of just incredible offensive player. So, but I get what you're yeah. saying. I get. I, okay, cool. Connor, thoughts? Yeah, I I don't hate that actually. If my on the assumption that he doesn't end up winning all, the, if he wins only like a championship or two, uh, right. yeah. I think maybe another comparison could be something like Oscar Robertson. We were talking about a wing or a guard who was just more athletic than anybody else was and more skilled than other players were, but you know maybe didn't have as much success as you would have thought someone like that could have had. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but no, I don't. I don't necessarily. I think like the James Harden. I think conjures emotions from people that are gonna throw people <laughs> off the Jordan comparison. But yeah, as yeah. an actual like that type of player, I don't. You know, I don't. I don't mind that actually. I think you're talking to two guys that would not hate that take, but we're not too. Fair. most people would hate that take yeah I, I that's also that's fair um you know it's not to say and great that's a good point to bring up because jordan jordan is that generational type athletic specimen for lack of a better term i mean he was just leaps and bounds athletically above everybody else so um i still think he could maybe a better comparison would be like a guy like Giannis, who is like another once in generation type athletic talent but we're now wondering if he can win the game you know you know, if he can win those titles and be the guy to take a team to a title, like, can he be that person? Um, the dumb, the answer to that question is yes, he can be that person, but it's just a matter of when it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be the same thing for Jordan. The question would be, it's not necessarily, does he have the capability to win that big game? The answer is obviously yes. It's Michael Jordan, and he will always be Michael Jordan. But it's when. Like, it will be when it will happen. Whereas when we look at Jordan right now, look back at Jordan's career now, there was no when it will happen. It just happened. Like we just we think of him as a guy who won six titles, six titles in eight years, basically six in a row, and we think it just happened. We don't really think of the fact that he had to really grow from this guy who, 
was uber efficient, one of the best players in the NBA, if not the best player, but couldn't win the big game. You know, that he had to go from that. Um, so I, I think uh, maybe Giannis is a better comparison because they're both that once-in-a-generational type talent, and Giannis right now is a guy who we're wondering if he can, you know, take the Bucks to the next level. Yeah. You know, we, we, we're wondering that. So yeah. maybe to, that's a better one. But To go to go off that, I actually I was thinking about who these once-in-a-generation type athletes were yesterday, and I thought about Giannis. And for me, I don't think Giannis is really athletically something we haven't seen before in Wilt and Kareem and Shaq and those type of guys. He's just grown up in an era where these big guys are encouraged to handle the ball and NBA teams are willing to build around you and just surround you with shooters if you are that type of player. And so he's grown up in an era where you're not kind of pigeonholed into being a center. Giannis is basically just a center who plays, who just handles the ball and just like plays from the top of the key instead of from the post. Um, So athletically, I don't know if he's necessarily something we haven't seen before. He's just such a unique player because of the time he's grown up in and what the Bucks and, and the NBA in general is willing to do for a player like that. Yeah, that's fair. Do you think, so you're saying that Giannis, if he entered the NBA in the 90s, that he wouldn't have that freedom that he has today? Is that what you're trying to say? Probably not, yeah. Okay. I mean, you look at a guy like Tony Kukoc, he was kind of, it was the same kind of, you know, ball handling talent a little bit, but he was you know, you're a big guy and you're, you can do some of this stuff, but we're not going to like give you the ball and like surround you with guys that can make you better. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking, well, speaking of Kugos, just kind of as an aside, I, one of my favorite just basketball stories of all time is the dream team story of how, when the USA played Croatia in the, in the group stage of the Olympics with Jordan and Pippen were like, we don't really know you, Tony. We understand you're part of our organization, but fuck you. We're gonna like <laughs> we 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 just hate Jerry Krause and we hate how he treats us, and we know how much he likes you. So we're gonna fucking make your life miserable for <laughs> a full however yeah. long a game is in FIBA. Um, you know, what an awful like, thing I, to I, do to a future team. What dicks? Oh, They're terrible. Horrible. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely terrible. Like that's that's such a that's such a rude thing to do. Like imagine being guarded by michael jordan and then when michael jordan gets tired oh hey scotty come guard this guy like i would that's that sounds like hell that sounds like a, an eighth layer of hell like this does not yeah. sound fun um but i love i love that story and Cook was like i had like three points like, <laughs> like the worst game um but you know to kukoc's credit and i didn't know this until watching the the last dance documentary i didn't know that kukoc uh had a much better game in the final and kind of showed to scotty and jordan that you know, I can be a good player. Like, I can actually, I'm a decent player and can really hold my own. Um, so that was good. I didn't oh, know he yeah. had that bounce-back game. So that, that is good to see. And, you know, Kukoc was such an instrumental part, you know, to, to, the, to the success of the Bulls later on in the uh, in, in the latter phase of, of Jordan's time with Chicago. But, um, yeah, I think I think those are all good points that, that both of you bring up. All right, guys. So, um a big topic in episode uh, was it five or six? I'm not, I can't remember, but was Mike's um, refusal to six? I think six. Okay, Mike's refusal to participate in politics or activism, um, and that was really a big issue in the early parts of his career. Um, when when did they say was it after his first championship that he said the Republicans don't wear or Republicans buy sneakers too? I mean, was that after his first championship? Do y'all remember? I think so. Okay. Yeah, I do think so. Okay. Um, so I was watching First Take this morning, um, and they were discussing that's, that. And that's how bad things have gotten for us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not much Not much to do. Um, and Stephen A. So Stephen A. argued that since that happened, Michael Jordan has done a lot for society, 
Um, so his main argument was that he's been a very successful entrepreneur and has hired a lot of black employees or minority employees. Um, to which mm-hmm. Jay, to which Jay Williams asked, if we know what percentage of uh, Jordan Brand, he asked if if we do know what that percentage is that of Jordan Brand employees are minorities. And Stephen A. responded by saying, I don't quote, I don't have that number in front of me. I imagine it's significant. So that's not a very strong, strong argument at all for Jordan being uh, active at all. Um, Then Max brought up that if Jordan was white, he could just, you know, go about his business being successful and wouldn't have the pressure um, to be an activist at all. Um, And Stephen A. also countered that he, he said that Jordan spoke out against Donald Sterling and then he immediately tore that argument down himself by saying, you know, we were all, everyone is going against Donald Sterling. It's not very hard to go against Donald Sterling, um, which is true. Mm-hmm. Um, so my question is, you know, how much can we fault Jordan for just being successful and just focusing on that and not focusing on giving back that much? Um, to me, you know, Max's point definitely has merit, um, you know, that if he, if he wasn't black, then he wouldn't really have to deal with this as much. He wouldn't have that external pressure on him to support mm-hmm. his community. Um, but at the level of wealth that he has, it feels like to me that you just kind of have responsibility, which by the way, his, his net worth is $2 billion and he's doubled yeah, that, cool. doubled that in the last five years. They said that. Yeah. I mean, I, that's the type of money that I have. So I can yeah. relate to that, to that. So like at that, at that point, that's more money than you could responsibly spend in your life you can always find a way to spend money responsibly <laughs> spend in your life um so yeah i think you have a responsibility to give give back and especially with the platform that he has he has some kind of responsibility um so i just um and i mean i understand him singularly focusing on being successful since that's the most that you know most people can hope for they're just trying to get their own personal success but at that level, I think that it's different. There's that type of wealth is just kind of different. You have different responsibilities and uh, different expectations on you. So I, I just want to get get Joel's thought on that. Well, I think that there's the thing of you said that he has the responsibility. If you if you have a platform, you have responsibility to use it. Uh, but in the other sense, I think there's also you have the right to not have to do anything, right? I mean, if you're your own person and if you don't want to say anything on politics because you want to make your brand bigger i think i wouldn't i wouldn't appreciate that but then that's your right to do that and i don't think there's necessarily a problem with doing it It might be a missed opportunity but then another way of looking at it as well is let's say let's say jordan had beliefs that we did not agree with and then all of a sudden he starts spouting off these beliefs right that we're like oh don't say that Right. It's just kind of like at a certain point, like how much of you wanting uh, somebody to use their platform or not, it's just based on whether you think what they say is in line with what you believe. If, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. if, so if I could say, let's say Jordan, uh, when he says Republicans buy sneakers too, uh, or if he said something like uh, women don't have, women shouldn't have equal rights to men. It'd be like, all right, man, like, don't say that yeah. type of stuff. But if he says, you know, yeah. but some people do believe that are probably thinking, oh, well, that's yeah, good for you. Good for good for talking. Right. So I think it's right. so much of just who 
of what's going on. It's just like, do you believe what they're saying? Is that it then makes a thing of like, oh, then you should speak or then you shouldn't speak. So at a certain point, it's kind of like, I will let them do what they want. And if we agree with it, we agree with it. If we don't, we don't. Yeah. I mean, he, I don't remember the specific remarks he said in relation to like his comment in the last dance about the Republicans by Seeker suit comment. But um, I do remember Jordan just really harping on the fact that uh, he fully respected people like Muhammad Ali, who really used his platform to be an activist and was still incredible at his craft and was an incredible athlete. But Jordan's take was he just he just wanted to focus on basketball and he didn't want to be um, in the limelight for for that for the for that movement. And um, you know he even told how his mom forced I can't remember if she like forced him or told him to or whatever but if it's a mom telling you to do something it's usually like you're gonna do it but uh George's mom said that said for him to donate to the to the uh democratic candidate for senate so like he did eventually donate to him but he never publicly backed him or publicly su supported him um and um i guess i guess my i i do have one comment the first thing i want to say was in relation to uh, your comment about that Max, Max Kellerman's comment that if he were if he were white he wouldn't have that pressure on him no one would be telling him to support the white people more like that's that's not going to happen um I guess my comment for that is why kind of as, as an aside is why I loved Larry Bird so much because you know people labeled him the white hope and he did so much to kind of detach himself from that label like he, I'm just trying to play basketball like I'm not here to be the white man's savior or the white person's savior for basketball no I'm just trying to ball and it's a similar thing that Jordan had is like he's I'm just trying to play basketball like I don't I understand the struggle like I think he does understand what it means to be black in America I'm not gonna say that I don't think he doesn't understand that I think he fully understands what it means to be black in America but he just wanted to play basketball and just focus on his craft and like you said Connor if that that's his right like he has mm -hmm. the right to do that and he has the freedom to do that um, if you want to chastise him for not being as much of an activist um, that's also your right to do so as well. Um, you know, you look at you look at LeBron, who we see LeBron obviously as the best basketball player of our generation, but also just a really solid all around human being who has done a lot for his community, has done a lot for under underrepresented people, for underprivileged people, for underprivileged children, uh, for as someone who's done a lot as an activist who speaks out against things. Maybe that I think nowadays that's that would be more expected from. An athlete, you know, a, a guy like LeBron, we, I would expect him to, to say something and speak out against things. Uh, there was, I don't know the specific details, but as, as I've been looking through Twitter and, and social media, there was a, a, uh, I'm trying to figure out the right words to say this. There, there was, there was an, I can't figure out the right words. There was something that's been going around where an African-American man was, I, th I think he was killed. I don't want to get these facts wrong or any, anyway, but LeBron spoke out spoke out about it, and that's expected. I, I would expect LeBron James to speak out on this incident and speak about it and bring attention to America about this incident. Whereas back then, you didn't really expect that from the top guys. You, you, you don't even just expect it from LeBron. You expect it from a lot of athletes nowadays to mm -hmm. be outspoken about, about rights, about, uh, about civil rights. But back then... You didn't really expect it you know there, there weren't a lot of, there were guys doing it obviously Muhammad Ali but it wasn't the norm and I think that's just where Jordan that's the that's the, the NBA that Jordan played in it wasn't the norm for people to speak out and be an activist so Jordan didn't feel a need to he just continued to play basketball to focus on his craft and 
know, like you said, Connor, I think that's his right to do so. Something that kind of bothers people maybe the most about it is, you know, not that he didn't speak out, but that it kind of, he's kind of lauded for not speaking out a little bit by some parts of the community because his reputation was just as this single-minded, incredibly driven um, player who just wanted to be great at basketball and didn't really care about anything else. And so it's like, okay, let's not hate him for not doing it, but let's not, um, let's not, you know, praise him for not doing it. Let's, you know, mm-hmm. just let's stay neutral. But it's, it's kind of boosted his reputation because he, he already had that reputation of just being so intense. I get what you're saying. Yeah. It, I get what you mean. it also brings up a, a, a separate interesting point, which is, uh, should we compartmentalize our athletes, right? Should we have it? should someone's political beliefs change our ability or viewpoint of when we watch them on the court, what we think of them as a brand or, or all of that. So mm-hmm. what extent how much should that even be? If you know what I mean, if, if you're getting what I'm saying from that, like should we separate yeah. the athletes political views from their, from what they do on the court or should that all be one thing together? Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, that, the uh, 49ers tight end, Greg Kittle, I think that's his name, Greg Kittle, who, who's, a Trump supporter like the he's just he just is and you know are you is that gonna you mean Bosa yeah oh sorry I'm oh, sorry Nick Bosa I apologize yeah. I mixed up the yeah the yeah. players this is yeah. kind of the issue yeah, yeah. with not not to send Francis on like a, a huge tangent here but this is kind of the issue like with Kanye <laughs> with uh you know Kanye's oh, music yeah. and its political views so that's that's kind of related to that so I mean it's, it's hard yeah to know like can I just should I appreciate this guy just just for this part and kind of ignore the rest, or like should I not listen to the great things, not listen to the great music he makes, or watch the great you know athletic feats he performs because you know I also, I don't agree not, with what he that, says. I I got I, I will say that it's not the same comparison. It's not like you you mentioned before, Connor. It's not like Jordan has opinions that are so outlandish that we're like, dude, what what are you saying right now? Mm-hmm. As like a Kanye West has shared multiple times, Jordan doesn't have those opinions. He he's. He has a, I, look, I just looked up as of recently, as of October of last year, he stated that he supports players being activists. Like he supports NBA players using their platform to be activists. That he, he likes that. You know, he hasn't said, oh, I, I vote for Trump. Like, you know, he hasn't said anything like that. So it's a matter of, you know, is it, is it even that bad that he didn't speak out like he did or that he didn't support? Like he just focused on basketball. Is that the worst thing for him to do? It's more people wondering that what should he have done more? Like, should he have used his platform? That's that's what I think is the is the bigger concern for people. But it's not it's not like Kanye where Jordan said, uh, "I think I think slavery was a choice." Like it's not like, it's not yeah. something like that. Uh, <laughs> so I think is it. But I, I get what you mean though, Grant. Like it's yeah, that's that's, a, that's how we that's that's how we gotta look at yeah. how we can look at athletes nowadays. Is should we disassociate them from their political views and just focus on their craft, like you mentioned, Connor? But I think I think in relation to Jordan, I don't think that applies because he de- yeah. he didn't have these views that I disagree with. I'm, I'm assuming both of you disagree with as well, so it's not like that. But I I do think I do see what you mean though, Grant. That that Jordan should not be praised for focusing on basketball. I, I don't think that should be the case either. Yeah. That's just his choice. That's the way I, it is. That's a, that's a that's an excellent distinction. I didn't mean to relate him so directly to, yeah. to Kanye. <laughs> Yeah, um, just had to be clear. <laughs> yeah, but I think if if y'all don't have anything else to say on it, I think we can move on to a lighter topic, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think that was a good yeah, talk, right. though, for sure. All right. Um, so last thing that I wanted to talk about um, was 
you know, I was watching LeBron and KD play each other in a in a program game um, a, a while back, and it just got got kind of got me thinking about the different iterations of basketball and the different levels. You know, there's there's kind of this scale all the way from the NBA. Um, all the way down to like street ball, just like different types of basketball where different skill sets are kind of us. more important. Yeah, we're we're somewhere we're somewhere closer to the NBA spectrum. Don't you worry. <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. it. Um, so I mean, there's there's different types of basketball where different skill sets are kind of more important. Um, and on the pro am circuit, it's not just you know who's the best basketball player. It's who is bringing the most entertainment value to the crowd because the crowd is really important. And so let me use LeBron as kind of an example of that distinction between talent and entertainment value. Um, okay. So LeBron, if he goes out there in a program game and, and if we had, you know, we had um, player tracking out there, he'd still be one of the best players, no, like no doubt, right? Right. Um, of, and all like the, if we played like a huge program circuit and stuff, he'd be one of the best players. But what makes LeBron an exciting player in NBA games is, there, to me, there's three things that really are, are the, his big excitement factors. There's the way he reads the defense and makes pinpoint passes. Um, okay. There's his breakaway thunderous dunks. Chase and there, down there's block. A, and there's chase down blocks. That's his three, right? Those are his three. Cool, yeah. Right? In program yeah. games, I think those are all three neutralized to a certain degree because, one, I mean – First, you're not uh, you're not really reading defenses out there. So it's mostly just one on one basketball, right? So I mean, yeah, you're, just you're expected you're expected yeah. to just take your man one on one. Right. His thunderous dunks, you know, everyone's dunking out there. They kind of get um, they get watered down to a certain point. And he does the, he does mostly the same dunk every time. So like it, it's the crowd's not going to keep getting just as hype and hype. Just like keeping hype, it's you got to be doing crazy stuff with your dunks if you're going to be dunking that much to keep the crowd right. that hype. And it's chase down blocks. And nobody's trying on defense, so it's nobody's trying that hard on defense. Nobody's chasing anybody down on fast breaks. Really, he might get he might get like one of those, maybe one of those program game. Then he's he's not running at all the rest of the game. Um, and so I think what's really important in to me, the way I kind of evaluate this is, I I think I I hold ball handling and shooting higher than I do dunking. So. Duncan can be an added thing, but I mean, I'm not going to include a guy who I thought about for a second, but I'm not going to include on my list is like Miles Bridges, someone who's just going to go out there and he's going to do some crazy dunks. But like, that's always going to really bring to the, to the table in these program games, right? So I value more like I talked about in an earlier episode players that have shake that like they can, right. they can, right, right, right. Know, they can get, <laughs> keep their defender on their toes, going side to side. They have their, their hezzy pull ups, and you don't right. really know, you're, you don't really know what they're going to do. Yeah, and you were really thinking of my basketball ability when you were thinking of those types right. of players. So, I mean, right, so you That's are the ideal for most right. – when most players try to they try to develop shake, and they, yeah. they can't because they're not born with it like you. <laughs> um, but they do look at you and try to just emulate you. But it, it's, right. it's, yeah. it's impossible to emulate something like that. <laughs> um, like So in that KD-LeBron matchup, KD is a player that has shake. Um, like absolutely, you watch that, he's just – Oh, cross, crossing him up like his hand LeBron does not have it he does not have the that it's really it's a big part of it not is, anymore, is the, the hezzy pull up like LeBron is more of a guy like he has a good handle but he's not going to cross you up he's, he's a gonna, bruiser he'll, he's a bruiser yeah, right he's, he's going to go he's going to go through he, you over you his... he'll go he'll yeah. beat you with speed but KD is going to like keep you on your toes and like 
he's going to get that little space. He's going to get you off yeah. balance, and he's going to pull a jumper in your face, right? Um, yeah. So that, that's the distinction to me. So okay. I, ha- I have a list of players, um, and I, I know you all do too because I told you all to prepare for this. Um, <laughs> so do you all want to go first? Do you all want me to kind of go through my list, and um, then, then you all can work off that? So do so the way – one thing that I just, I just want to say, I my, for me, I have a bunch of different teams. Is yours team-based, or do you just have a list of guys? Mine's team-based. What's yours, Grant? Mine's, like, group-based, so, like, different kinds of... So, I've, I'll, I'll read you my... I have three groups. Okay. One is NBA stars who also have skill sets that provide incredible entertainment value. Okay. One is NBA non-stars whose skill sets are specially equipped for a program environment. Okay. And that that mostly ended up being athletic shooting guard Chuckers and right. Boban. Um, <laughs> and then the third group is the Josh uh, Josh Selby All Stars. So the former Josh NBA, Selby All Stars. Former NBA players, program like gods. It. I like it. Okay, so, I, so that's my format. Okay. Connor, what about you? Do you have just one team, or do you have a bunch of dudes? I have one team, and it's impeccable. Okay, <laughs> okay so I have I have kind of my ideal Pro-Am 5, and then I have a bunch of just random teams that are I, kind of fun to go off of. So, sorry, go ahead, Connor. I was going to say, yeah, it's who your ideal 5. Yeah, so my... Uh, I'll, actually, Grant, I want you to share your... Share your first team, the, the first team you mentioned, then I'll share my... A team that's kind of similar to yours and i think connor your team is going to be it's a similar thing where it's you saying it's untouchable or whatever bullshit you want to claim so i think grant will you share your first team then we then we'll follow from you all right so i have like a really a top a three clear top three who separated themselves as far as being you know not just some of the best players out there but pure entertainment um so kevin durant like i mentioned is one of them mm-hmm. Kyrie is okay. pretty obvious and steph is pretty obvious to me uh-huh um as far as stars. Then I also have James Harden, Luca, obviously would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, Trey Young, I have, he's, I mean, basically for the same reason Steph is on here, just right. to a lesser Steph degree. Light. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I have Ja on here. I'm including nice. him in the NBA stars because I think he will soon be good enough to be really considered an NBA star. Um, and obviously is a lot of fun. And then reluctantly, I have Russell Westbrook on here. <laughs> I forgot how much he, he really, he's kind of the, the like black sheep, black sheep of the group. Um, <laughs> but I mean, he, he's just so explosive that I guess you just kind of have to. Okay. All right. So for, for me, uh, the, the, if, if I had to just, the, whatever amount, the best players in the, in the NBA, I could choose from any of them. If positions didn't matter, so my team would be, I I have, so I sorry I I kind of give you my thought process. I thought through it in a more basketball sense. Like I, I I, I didn't ignore. That's the, your first mistake the, for pro am. I know I know I I, that, I didn't ignore the entertainment factor, but I still like I still made a five that I think, you know, good good luck touching them. They're gonna be a lot of fun to watch. Just really good basketball and just not lose. They're just gonna kick <laughs> kick everybody's ass, but. So if positions didn't if positions didn't matter, my five would be LeBron at point guard, Clay Clay Thompson at the two, and just be a, be a shooter and just lock anybody down. KD at the three, Anthony or Giannis at the four, and Anthony Davis at the five. So that would be my my team. 
if positions didn't matter at all in terms of like superstar players. And I, I'm not, I don't think Clay Thompson is necessarily a superstar, but I, I would definitely, I wanted him on this team because he would be that ex, that shooting dimension that you know, good luck guarding everybody and leaving Clay Thompson wide open. That, that just good luck with that. And you know, same thing with KD. LeBron's a capable three point shooter, and basically all five of these players can shoot. Giannis isn't the isn't the greatest three point shooter, but he can if wide, 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 wide open. But that that would be my that's my team if positions didn't matter. And if positions did matter, then I would have Steph, and I would keep Clay because I think Steph and Clay are just two fun people to pl- like to play together and see them on a team. But then you add LeBron, KD, and Anthony Davis. And that would be my team of positions did matter. So uh, that those are those are mine. <laughs> naive, naive, Francis. <laughs> Pro Am is uh, Pro Am is theater, Francis. It's WWE. It's improv. Right? Yeah. It's uh, that was, that's it's an excellent NBA team you named. Yeah, it's an excellent. Yeah, that's yeah. that's. I right, well, go ahead, go. Ahead, Not a lot of excitement factor really for the Pro Am setting. Well, I I disagree with let that. Me, but go ahead, share your. Let team. me. Uh, let me a little, you know, give me a moment here, and let me bring you on a, a roller coaster here for for a ride. So, what we have here in pro am is what you guys are both missing right now. Is so much of the sport is based on a great announcer, and an announcer has to get the fans going, for one thing. But what also gets fans going is great player nicknames. And so, all five of mine, you will notice, have a great player nickname, or at least a decent player nickname. Okay. So that's criteria one. Criteria two, each position or player has to have a certain thing about them that's a little nutty, or they fit a role so well. So my point guard here is Chris Paul, nicknamed Point God, a great nickname. Additionally, a great passer. It has a little of that shake that Francis likes to, or that Grant likes to talk about. <coughs> player number two, one of the best nicknames. Player number two, one of the best nicknames in all of sports is for Pat Beverly, Mr. 94 Feet. Now imagine yeah, Pat Beverly nickname. just hissing at players an entire pickup game long. That is great entertainment value. That is, yeah. On the other hand, I also have Marcus Smart on my team, the Cobra. All right? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so now we've got three, two, two defensive guards who will just make infuriate everyone to the fans' delights. And then, you're trying to and then another the, important the bad boy pistons. Yeah, you're trying to you're trying to make setting. the bad boy pistons. Yeah, I would love to. Hear well, this is not bad boy. Then, then you got to have a white guy who's not very coordinated but can shoot. That's important. All right, that's every program team has one of those guys. Davis Bertans. So Davis Bertans. <laughs> yes, I called it. <laughs> nicknamed. What's his nickname? I don't know. The, the Latvian, Latvian laser. laser. Another Latvian incredible laser. nickname. And finally, I call that you fucking wizard fan. <laughs> I called that shit. And finally, what you really need in a pro am game is a center who may not be good, probably won't be great, but they will be huge. You want to see a guy you will not see walking the streets ever in your life, right? You want to see a freak, and that's why for center I've got Boban Marjanovic. All right. Nickname uh, Bobby. That's the which one is a, player we got in common. Which is another benefit because it's always nice when a big guy has a small person sounding name. And additionally, let me throw this little tidbit of Bobon here. Bobon's parents are five foot six and five foot nine. And so the following is how he connects the dots. And here's his quote. And this is what you want from a pro am player. Basically, I come from another planet, like Superman from Krypton. I don't show my power because I want to play basketball. 
I will fly off when I retire. That is the oh theater. That is the majesty of pro right there. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> so there's my five. If you have if you have Boban though, you gotta have T- Tobias Harris on the bench just to do some like great celebrations yeah. Yeah. after yeah. Boban. He might runs. be the he might be the Don't team play announcer. At all. Yeah, there you go. That'd be good. That'd be good. Yeah. I had so like look, I, I had teams that were like I have an all athleticism team that they're just gonna dunk all the time, and that would be John Morant, Zach Levine. Derek Jones, Zion, and Aaron Gordon. Like, that would just be fun. Like, that's just pure athleticism all the time. I have a team that's going to just shoot. I have an all-defense team, Pat Bev, Kawhi, Giannis, Anthony Davis, Gobert. That's going to hound people defensively. I have an all-handles team, Kyrie, Steph, James Harden, KD, Anthony Davis again. And then the one I wanted to talk to you all about in terms of who do you think, well, A, who would win and who's, I guess, a better <coughs> Excuse me. Was a better pro am team. Uh, so my I have an all oldies team, which is players thirty four and up. So that's Chris Paul, JJ Redick, LeBron, who who is he's thirty four, which is wild. Chris Paul, JJ Redick, LeBron, Lamarcus Aldridge, and Marcus Saul, which is I, that's a pretty fun that's a pretty fun team. Then an all babies team, which is twenty and under, which actually excludes Trey Young, DeAndre Ayton, and, and most of the twenty eighteen draft class, which is interesting but they're all 21 except for a few and that is john morant tyler hero zion williamson jaron jackson and jackson hayes because he was oddly enough the best center 20 and under but so what i which team do you think would be more i guess would be more fit for the program what do you have i would i'm really curious what y'all think I think any team that has Lamarcus Aldridge is a bad yeah. start yeah, for a pro agents. That hurts. Yeah. I honestly, I honestly <laughs> forgot about Zion. Uh, so the team with Zion probably is just yeah, he, he wins. Yeah, I, I yeah. kind of forgot about him. Yeah, John Zion, even Jaron Jackson. This is, the young boys win. Yeah, yeah, for the young sure. boys win. I think that would be a fun team. And Jackson Hayes is is a very athletic dude as well. So that would yeah, yeah. that would be fun. Tally Hero, like he's he's got spunk to the <laughs> he's 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 got that he's got, in him to be there. Yeah. He's got the I, half court I, I considered him. Supported. I considered him. Yeah, I, I um, think. I think he's, got, he's that guy. My, so who are, who are your other your other guys, Grant? So my second group, the the non stars who just have the skill sets for this setting. Um, it, the captain of this team is J.R. Smith. Um, mm. He's not. I guess he's not in the NBA anymore. I, I kind of he probably should be on the other list, but this is this is mostly athletic shooting guard chuckers. So he's got to be included in this. Zach Levine also. Austin Rivers. Of course, mm. Kevin Porter Jr., a rookie. Kevin Porter um, Jr. Great, great mixtape and pro am player. He's from Seattle with uh, Jamal Crawford, who is the pro am goat. Um, God, yeah. So he he came up under Jamal's wing. Um, also included in this alumnus. So this is like group. your this is like the ball is life. Yeah, yeah, this is kind of kind of that. Um, and then Boban is also included in that. Dennis Smith Jr. Oh, is yeah. in this group, and Ricky Rubio. Um, I think could be really exciting in a program oh, setting. Oh yeah, um, we we really haven't seen be. the tricky Ricky in a long time. No, uh, I feel like he's kind of toned his his uh his game down a little bit, which is a little boring. But and then finally the Josh Josh Selby All Stars, um, Jamal Crawford, and these are guys who are not in the NBA anymore. Um, but Jamal Crawford, who wants to be in the NBA, let him back. He, he uh, famously. Famously honed his handles, not with drills, but just by playing pickup and played pickup on his wedding day. 
So he's just the absolute awesome. goat when it comes to this. Um, Tony Roden, yeah. also one of my favorite mixtapes of all time. Roden. I had oh, such high man. hopes for him. I know he was you on did. The I for a bit. Yeah. But he's just he's a very exciting mixtape player to watch. Uh, Katino Mobley. Y'all Kat- did not mention oh, Katino man. Mobley. Have y'all seen him on the program circuit at all? I've not. He's just I haven't seen all, I've not seen all grayed out the circuit except for like white chocolate. <laughs> Katino Mobley is just like full. He's like thir- he's like 38, 39 or something. He's just full grayed out. And just playing old man YMCA low post game. It's beautiful. Just turn around fadeaways. It's incredible. I like that. Uh, Tyreek Evans also not in the NBA for a, another reason. Um, <laughs> but he's he's got a smooth handle. I, I like watching him in, a, in these type of setting. Okay. And um, then my honorable mentions didn't quite make it. Uh, Kimba, D'Angelo Russell, De'Aaron Fox, and Donovan Mitchell. And what Zion about Dame? None of, you part, none of you mentioned Dame part, Lillard. Part of this, part of this segment kind of turned into a, you know that Deadspin bit that our articles used to write. Like, remember this guy? And there's a list of people to yeah. see if you remember them. Like, oh yeah, remember that guy? Part yeah. of the segment kind of just turned into that. Hey, remember Catino Mobley? Catino <laughs> Mobley. Y'all, y'all need to go look up his program games. They're incredible. <laughs> I throw in, a, I throw it on that topic. I throw in Josh Smith. He was, he was such an athletic guy. I think he would be a fun program mm. guy. True. But y'all forgot Dame Lillard. Do you, you don't think that he could be he could be a guy for this? I think he'd be perfect sh- for it. I should have put him on my honorable mentions list. I, I considered him, but I don't know. It's he's like Steph or Trey, but doesn't have quite like the the handle of, as like far as crossing people up that those guys do, or the passing ability that those guys do. So I think he has. He's he more has he's more exciting NBA setting in my. I think opinion. he has the I think he has the attitude for it though. You know he's got. You can't you can't ignore the fact he had the, one of the most iconic moments in sports history, hitting that dagger three against the Thunder and just waving by like this like that's iconic like that's just so cool to think about that in the moment that's so cool. Man, you guys brought up so many good points today. A lot of great topics. <laughs> that's crazy. Thank you. All right, that seems like a good point to stop it. Um, <laughs> oh, we didn't talk about names today. I did have a couple that I wanted to oh, throw yeah. by you. Not a. Not serious contenders, but there's things, you know, just, just kind of throwing them out there. Okay. Um, first one, I stole this from a, a Memphis magazine that's been going on for the past couple of years. Uh, the Current, or it could be The Sports Current, if we wanted to do that. Okay. Um, I mean, we met in Memphis where there's the Mississippi River and stuff, so that, that's where right. it kind of that's, ties in. Ties okay. in a little bit. Something um, and also, in honor, in honor of Bucket <laughs> Night, we could do The Sports oh. Bucket. Ooh. That would be good to so, honor. Oh, Bucket I actually night. like that. I like that. Yeah. I like that. I actually like yeah. that because we could honor Bucket Night. All right. I lost All right. I'm not as much of a fan of admitting that we just stole something. Yeah. With the current. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's called the, it's like called the Memphis Current, bucket. so it's not directly stolen, but it's it's, it's pretty it's pretty directly stolen. I'll just I'll uh, just be our I'll be our attorney when we get sued for copyright violation. Yeah. Yeah. All right, but y'all have any ideas? Or is that it? Uh, that's it. I like sports, comma, bucket. Sports, so sports, comma, bucket. Bucket. Or sports, comma, bucket. Like sports, bucket. Bucket of sports. Bucket. Uh, bucket. No, 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 bucket like of sports. sports, bucket. Sports. Oh, like, no. fuck it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's like sports, bucket. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. All right, for Francis Carlotta, Connor Byrne, I'm Grant Heckinger. This has been the podcast to be named later. Maybe the sports bucket soon based on that reception but we'll see maybe um 
thanks for talking, guys. Uh, talk to y'all soon. Yep. All right, everybody. Stay safe. When my blue face ice pops, I'ma make a shoelace necklace. Yeah, we whipping pop so Lexus. And I'm skipping school days, mic drops, eyes on summer like Cyclops. Yeah, we falling off the sidewalk. Mama, watch your heart.